Hello, welcome to episode five of Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing, the podcast all about art and design theory for hairdressers. We've made it a whole month now, so huge thank you to all of you who keep listening. I'm Cody. I'm a hairdresser in Washington, D.C. My goal each week is to keep these short and easy to digest, and the bigger conversation happens on the Point in Line to Head Facebook page. And the goal is to develop this culture of independent creative thinking for hairdressers. The last few weeks, I focused more on the theoretical side of this art and design theory, and this week I want to get into the more tangible part. And today's all about geometry, but not in the typical way it's presented to us as hairdressers. And the whole, I guess, theme of this episode is things that we think are simple or concrete are often more complex than they appear. And we'll start with a quote, as usual. This one is from Le Corbusier again, and it's simple. It's just, geometry is the language of man. For us, we learn to assign technical values to terms like round, square, or triangular, but there's more to these terms than just a round graduation or a triangular layer. There are actual sort of underpinning truths hidden in shape. And in order to discuss them, we need to understand where form comes from. So geometry is the language of man. Everything we see around us is rooted in geometry in some way. And we relate to anything we see based on its geometry. And no matter how you do hair, whether it's really freeform or really precise, there's always an element of geometry in your work, whether you realize it or not. And it doesn't have to hit you over the head that this is a sphere on someone's head, but there's always a piece of geometry locked away in anything visual. So starting at the beginning here, to fully understand, like I said, we have to understand where shape comes from first. And I'm not the first hairdresser to say most of what I'm about to say, but I find it's information that's not readily available to all of us. But again, when we make information available to everyone, it elevates all of us and it makes us all look better. So I believe in sharing everything that I can possibly share. And the underlining inspiration for all of this education that I'm doing, I mentioned a few times, is from a book called Point and Line to Plane. But a really earth-shattering moment I had as a hairdresser was I was assisting a class. Um, and as an educator, there's a lot of legwork and heavy lifting you have to put in and running around, staying up late, sweeping up after people. A lot of things that some of us think aren't fun, but really build who we are as hairdressers and educators. So I was assisting and actually sort of playing chauffeur to a woman who ended up really influencing the way that I work technically. 
and has really become one of my biggest mentors in the industry. Her name is Kathy Simon, and she has a beautiful technical system for haircutting and just approaching your work as a hairdresser. And that's where I first heard geometry presented in a way where I understood it and understood why it was important to my career. So starting at the beginning, the beginning of any form is a point, a dot. In sort of elementary school geometry, a point basically has no value. But in the book Point and Line to Plane, Kandinsky explains that a point is the result of the initial collision of the tool with the material. It's a catalyst. So in nature, a point is a seed. It's the start of something. In writing, it's a period. It's silence. The end of something, and then a bridge to a whole new existence. So simultaneously, in creative expression, a point is a beginning and an end. And locked away in that point is the desire for motion. When force is applied to that point, we get a line. Kandinsky describes a line as simply a dot that went for a walk. If we part hair, the comb touches the scalp and creates a parting. That's a line. We can all agree that that's a line, but it starts from somewhere. That initial collision, point and line. Eventually, it ends somewhere. That's another point. That's a whole other geometry conversation. But you have a point, a line that stems from that point. Now, there are all sorts of directions and properties of lines, but the two primary kinds of lines are curved and linear. And we can characterize these. We have direction, we have diagonal, vertical, horizontal, and we have different types of diagonal lines, acute, obtuse, and right. Really basic geometry. I can like hear my geometry teacher in my head going, one day you'll need this. It's like I have a calculator on my phone in front of me, and that doesn't help me cut someone's hair. So here we are. It's all coming back to us. Um, these different types of lines, though, continue on their trajectory and eventually have the potential to become form. So the point is the beginning of the line. The line is the beginning of form. All of us, on some level, know that we have three primary forms. And every other form that exists is a combination of these three primary forms. Just like in color theory that we'll talk about next week, we have red, yellow, and blue. Those are the sort of least common denominators, and every other color is created with those. Our three primary forms are a triangle, square, and circle. And they're created by different types of lines. So let's talk about where they come from. I mentioned acute, obtuse, and right before. That's that geometry that's coming back to haunt us. We have acute, narrow angles, narrow lines. I hate using degrees and numbers because in reality, we don't work with protractors. But anything below 90 degrees. Think about your flat iron. The opening in it is narrow. That's acute. That's an example of an acute angle. It's created with these narrow lines. 
On the other side of the spectrum, we have obtuse, wide angles, wide lines, technically anything beyond 90 degrees on that protractor that we don't use. So think about a lounge chair at the pool, right? It opens up all the way so you can lay down on it. That's an example of obtuse. Then we have in between those right angles, right lines. In your high school geometry textbook, that's 90 degrees. But as an artist, it's completely horizontal, completely vertical. So think of a corner in a square room, right? 90 degrees. So why is this geometry that we've forgotten long ago so important to us now? Well, each one of those types of lines relates to a form in some way. We have triangles, squares, and circles. Those are the building blocks of any other form that exists. Triangles are created from these acute or narrow lines. We have a square, which is composed of only horizontal and vertical lines. And then we have a circle, which is either created through those wide, obtuse angles, lines, that open fully and complete themselves, or when you have a curved line that exits that point and, again, completes itself back at the start. This is where those shapes that we know so well come from, and we create them in the exact same manner. If we think about them in the context of haircutting, and haircutting, I think, is the easiest way to think about this because it's the way a lot of us are trained, and it's a literal way of explaining it. I'm not going to say geometry only happens in haircutting, but it's an easy place to examine this concept. If we were to cut a square shape, something with corners, in order to maintain that square shape, your body position needs to really stay rigid, and we have to stay cognizant of creating those corners, and our sections are vertical or horizontal. So the way we create a shape is very structured. It's very vertical or horizontal in the exact same way that an artist draws a square on a piece of paper. On the other side, if we want to create a round shape, we end up using sections that spin around the head, are curved, or they pivot off of one point on the head. And creating a rounded shape, our body position, we have to move around the head to control that rounded shape. And again, this is exactly how maybe a sculptor creates a rounded form. To go further into this concept, we have the nature of form. And we'll talk here about square and round because those are the most drastically different. And they're the two major categories and types of shapes that we deal with as hairdressers. So linear and curved. If we were to put a tennis ball and a Rubik's Cube on a table, what would they do? So without touching them, we put them on a table, what are they going to do? Well, the Rubik's Cube is going to sit there until someone comes by, picks it up, knocks it off the table or something, and it's going to remain constant. 
But on the other hand, the tennis ball is going to probably roll off the side of the table on its own. It's going to keep moving until it hits a surface that stops it. This is how best to think about the nature of these shapes. Round shapes encourage movement. We create them by continually moving. While square shapes we create with a lot of control, and they're designed to stay put. They're designed not to really move. Square shapes don't want to move on their own. They remain constant. They're very manufactured feeling because of the corners. While round shapes create softness and sort of a more organic feel. To think about this further, in sort of a social construct type of way, take this how you will, most times if we're cutting a guy's hair, we tend to use square shapes. It's manufactured, it's rigid, it's masculine. While on a female, we tend to want to remove corners. We tend to gravitate towards these more rounded shapes. And that's something we probably do without realizing it. And honestly, this whole thing is probably a thought process that we've all had before. So round encourages movement. It's got an organic feel. Square is very rigid, very unmoving, unchanging. And this is the part of geometry that is so simple and hardly ever gets touched on. Maybe you get a quick quip in a class or something, but this is the most applicable part of geometry for us and the root to why geometry is so important to an artist. Like I've said before, our art form is the arrangement of a raw material. Our material is hair, and our techniques are things like layering, foiling, blow-drying. Those are how we create form. And form is the first and simplest vessel which carries our story as artists. And by truly understanding the nature of form, we understand how our work is created and how our story is told, and the way that people relate to it. Final quote here from Annie Albers, who was a textile artist at the Bauhaus School in Germany. And this quote is, Being creative isn't so much the desire to do something as the listening to that which wants to be done. So listen to your materials and listen to your intuition and then animate your intentions through form. Thank you for listening. I hope this was beneficial or interesting or something to you guys. Make sure you're subscribed. Check back every Monday for new episodes. Next week is all about light. So color, temperature, weight, things that give meaning and interest to form. And again, head over to the Point and Line to Head Facebook page for our after show discussion. And that's really where we're able to all chat, exchange ideas. That's where the magic happens, so to speak. I believe we all grow as an industry by sharing with each other and having conversations. Thank you again for listening. I'm Cody, and this was Point and Line to Head Elevating Hairdressing. <laughs>